look and say, is your team feel safe to actually bring up challenging you know, issues? Or do they say yes to you all the time? And do they say yes to you and then no, don't really mean it? If that's true, then you do not have psychological safety. You'd be better off with a team that fought with you and said, Eric, you're an idiot, as opposed to, sure, Eric, whatever you want, and then not do it behind your, behind your back. Because at least you now know where, where the team is. So I hope, I hope that's a help for people in psychological safety. I have lots of other ways, though, that you can build it on your team. Welcome to Management Development Unlocked, where you will learn how to nurture a world-class management team. And now your host, Eric Gerard. Welcome to another episode of Management Development Unlocked. I am really glad you're here. While you still have your device in your hand, I'd like to ask three favors. One, please subscribe to the show. Two, please share the show with just one other person. And three, go to GerardTrainingSolutions.com and download my free ebook on becoming a manager. Today, I have John Chen with me. John, welcome to the show. Who are you and what do you do? Thank you so much, Eric. And it was so great getting a chance to visit you and your family in the real world. So who am I? I am the CEO of a company called Engaging Virtual Meetings. What we really do is that we work hard to design and produce, speak at, and MC the top and most engaging virtual meetings. But how did I get here? Well, Eric, I started my life as a young boy from Stockton, California, right? If you don't know where that is, you probably broke down there on I-5. From there, I started an illustrious skateboarding career where I was one of the few skateboarding honors students coming out of Toke High, uh, Go Tigers, and then went to UCSB, UC Santa Barbara, becoming a gaucho. And there, I had an illustrious career for three years being undeclared, Eric. <laughs> and during that time, I actually was a strong skateboarding advocate. Basically, I don't know if you've ever seen a, a movie, Dogtown and Z-Boys, Eric. He has not I seen the not. movie. Well, the, the movie was about uh, people that came from Dogtown. They were surfers who picked up skateboarding when there were no waves. And basically, they came into a skateboard contest and revolutionized skateboarding from what it was at the time. It was very Jan and Dean. And now all these new tricks came around. I was two teams past that, picked up by a, a team called Santa Monica Airlines, where I became a sponsored amateur skateboarder. I was on the way to turning pro, where I actually got to meet people like Tony Hawk in real life. And then my left ACL went out. So I actually had a I was playing music. I was playing guitar in a band in UC Santa Barbara, and somebody from the Idaho rugby team slipped when it rained earlier in the day and fell across my knee and broke both my ACLs. And that was the end of my illustrious skateboarding career. But you know, Eric, the one thing that I do know, the one theme in my life seems to be that having your entire world right dissipated and have to create a new one. So that seems to be the theme. So what I did is I recreated myself again after this by finally declaring a major in my third year of college. I became a computer science student. In fact, I was voted outstanding computer science student and was able to give the speech to the outgoing chancellor. And then I got a job at Microsoft. Over the course of 10 years at Microsoft, I shipped 10 products. I got two US patents, including a product Microsoft Exchange that went on to sell over 200 million client licenses. And then it came around and I had this saying, Eric, have you ever had this saying, 
I know what I'm. I, I know that I'm supposed to do something. I just don't know what it is. Have you ever had that thought? Often. <laughs> Maybe we're still having it. <laughs> no, less these days. I kept saying that, and finally, uh, I had a coach at a program, and he said, "Give me a weekend, and I'll tell you exactly what it is." And I'm like, "Well, that's an enticing offer. Uh, that's an enticing offer for those who are executive coaches who are listening to this." That's a great line you should use. (laughs) Give me a week and I'll tell you exactly what it is. So I flew to Huntington Beach, more California. And over the course of two days, I wrote the entire business plan for a company called Playtime Incorporated. That would mean like the playtime is that it would be fun, but the incorporated says I have some real business value to teach you. It had three core passions, technology, adventure, to create human change. And out of that, Playtime Incorporated eventually became Geoteaming, which is a company that was based on geocaching, a high-tech scavenger hunt uh, based on GPS receivers, where we taught team and leadership skills around the world. We used to do about 140 events around the world. And then that little virus thing came around. By the way, on this date that we're recording this is about the three-year anniversary of having the entire world change. And so I was sitting, I had 15 canceled events in March of 2020, and I'm sitting around going, what am I going to do? And I said, I don't make vaccines, but I do know how to make your virtual meetings better. For over three decades, we have been experimenting and saying that we could do team building over technology. And people said, that's a great idea, John, but here's a bunch of money and you got to fly to Orlando. Until a March 2020, and then everyone suddenly changed their mind <laughs> about me flying there. And so we had actually experimented with all these uh, correct ideas for virtual meetings, and we found out they were actually correct, meaning that they worked from March 2020. I put a class on Eventbrite. Over t- uh, 5,000 people took the class in the first year, and then my publisher came back to ask me to write my second book called Engaging Virtual Meetings. And now, again, I'm back to here where... I spend the majority of my days at designing, producing, speaking at, and emceeing virtual meetings, Eric. What a ride, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We don't have a lot in common except for the fact that our lives have arcs, you know, and they started in one place and landed in another. I know Stockton very well because I used to live in Arnold. Do you know Arnold? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I used to live in Arnold and I would drive back and forth through Stockton to get back and forth to the Bay Area. So I know Stockton quite well. That's That was town for us. If we needed something like important, we would drive to Stockton, <laughs> which kind of tells you the state of Arnold. Yeah. The whole idea of starting off in technology and then moving on and doing something different. And now we both have our own businesses and and host podcasts and I've been in your podcast and it's just, it's kind of fun to see how it all comes together. And hopefully at the end of the day, we're doing something that helps people. And and I would say your pivot was quite timely and has helped a lot of people get away from, you know, what used to be really boring, awkward Zoom meetings. Yeah. Thank you. I, you know, what I love to tell people is that I'm the best 35-year overnight success you're ever going to listen to. <laughs> I, I can give a little testimonial because you produced one of my master classes and made that look like a million bucks. So that was you know really, really helpful to me personally. And I really enjoyed hanging out with you at Training Magazine. That was a hoot. Yeah. So I, I met a ton of inter- interesting people. In, in fact, Stephanie just, just reached out and said hello. So Yeah. So just really, really cool people. Good experiences. I'm looking forward to doing more with you. 
But I have questions to ask you, sir. Okay. This is a show about management development. And so, you know, now that we've done our, our trip down memory lane, what I'd love to do is talk a little bit about what you know about managing remotely. So the first question is just simply based on your body of knowledge and your your background, what are your top tips for managing remotely? And, you know, again, thinking that our audience is either new managers who are learning this for the first time, or it's senior managers who are trying to mentor new managers and help them come up. Yeah, managing remotely. This is a topic too that is on the hot list because, right, many of us were taught by things like that originated from Hewitt Packard, management by walking around, right? And it's really hard to walk around the remote world and say, what is this person up to? So I think that the first one is around that. As a manager, at least my personal theory is that my job is to remove barriers of people on my team so that they can get their work done or more work done. And so the equivalent of managing by walking around is, is uh, you need to find what I call uh, ways to digitally bump into each other, right? The original buildings at Microsoft, if you didn't know, were in the shape of an X. Eric, do you know why they were shaped at, a, at like an X and what might be in the middle? Well, I would imagine that things like the cafe or the break rooms are in the middle of the X and people probably had to walk through that X to get from meeting to meeting. That's right. And not only that, the receptionist packages, the mail room and the bathroom. <laughs> so what it did is that it like it was purposely designed to collide people. And so now you got to find that way of digitally bumping into each other. So, you know, that's, I think, why Slack was so popular or any of the messaging platforms like Teams, the messaging feature in Teams is that you can kind of see if someone are around and like on the moment, right? Let's say Eric and I were collaborating. I'm like, I can go find out is Eric at his computer so I could message him. And it's like the same as like trying to walk by his office or something like that. It's find those connection points and saying, you know, hey, what's up? And, and it also gives you a pretty decent sense, too. Is Eric actually engaged in work or is he, you know, off having another beverage <laughs> away from computer? And even if, you know, he should just be able to respond, even if I'm busy, he should be able to come back and say, I'm in a meeting, but also say, you know, I'll be free in 20 minutes or whatever. So I think that's a great way for a manager to look for engagement, right? Because that's the next thing that you want, right? There's a research that says that 50 plus percent of the people in a job are checked out of the job. Somebody likened it like, uh, you know, like power outs, like brownouts and blackouts, but they're of employee morale or engagement. And so that's the second part. You got to see are people engaged in the work, you know, doing what you're looking for, meeting deadlines and achieving other pieces. I think the last thing though, that really 26 years of professional team building, Eric, and I got to tell you that managing remotely still has its core problems based in managing, right? And so we talked a little bit about this earlier on, but Eric, how much do you know about Google's Aristotle's research? I've read a little bit about it. I wouldn't say I'm an expert. Yeah, so Google went off and did amazing set of research. I think some of the best in the team building field in the last uh, five or 10 years, because they spent 18 months asking the question, what do our high performing teams have in common? And there's two wildly different kind of teams at Google, right? One is 
right? The structured, regimented team, right, makes deadline milestones, actually makes the milestones, ships on time. That's one team. And the second team is a little wild and crazy, right? Looks like they're going to crash every so often. And all of a sudden, right on a ship date, they ship a miracle, sometimes something better than you even expected. And both of those teams are considered high performing at Google. And they asked the question, what do these two teams have in common? Is it the money we pay them? Is it the leader we give them? Is it the composition of the team? Is it the computers we give them? Is it the building? And it turned out it's none of those, Eric. Right? They had five things, but the number one thing is something called psychological safety. And psychological safety, they defined as, I feel safe to take a risk in front of my leader and teammates. And while that sounds like in its words really simple, in practice, it's really hard. In fact, today I had somebody reach out uh, to me who has a, uh, he's a, a leader in a company in Toronto. And he just says, what do you do with people who say, yes, I agree to the team plan, and then later on, don't do anything, right? They're not really engaged or, or that they fight you all along the way. And I said, you know, you're missing this part of psychological safety. Although I guess he had the benefit, which is people were at least openly disagreeing with this idea. Like he would say an idea and then they would like, ah, no, we're not going to do that. Right. <laughs> we tried that or something as opposed to the worst one is I come up to you, Eric, and I'm like, I totally agree with your plan. And then I don't follow you. Or in fact, I actively sabotage you. And it's so much easier to do that remotely. And I think that's one of the challenges that people have with that. So again, getting back to that psychological safety, what's a, what's a quintessential tip though, that could really help somebody who is listening to this. Look for the psychological safety first. You got to evaluate where it is. And that says, look and say, is your team feel safe to actually bring up challenging you know, issues? Or do they say yes to you all the time? And do they say yes to you and then no, don't really mean it? If that's true, then you do not have psychological safety. You'd be better off with a team that fought with you and said, Eric, you're an idiot, as opposed to Sure, Eric, whatever you want, and then not do it behind your, behind your back, because at least you now know where, where the team is. So I hope, I hope that's a help for people in psychological safety. I have lots of other ways, though, that you can build it on your team. Thank you. That is, that is super helpful. And I love how you defined you know, what psychological safety is, kind of alluded to the fact that psychological safety ought to happen or be built right away sort of a thing. It's like that building trust happens right away between a team manager and the team, and it's either made or broken very, very quickly. So I, I have an ad for that too, which is like uh, this manager who I was talking to this morning, I said, I think the accountability is the next thing that you could mm -hmm. use to manage remotely. So for instance, if everyone did, he's got a team of six to eight people. And I said, first, state your plan and, and do something until you get everyone to agree, right? And if they disagree openly, that's fine. That You should be excited about that. Again, rework that part of the plan until you can get everyone to agree. But the key here, he said, is like, what about those people who said yes? And he says, if you come back to like next week's status or two or three weeks later status, and somebody said yes, but is now, again, didn't not actively doing their part or actively trying to sabotage the, the, the you or the program. Now you can come back and say, didn't you three weeks ago agree that this is what we we're doing as a team? And they should say yes, right? <laughs> because they were there. And then you're saying, how is what you're doing 
helping to add to get to our goal with that agreement. And most of the time, the second thing that I've seen about remote management is that most of your, you know, teammates sometimes are testing you. Like, are you you paying attention? Are you going to hold this to a higher standard? And that's what I said. I think that if you let it slide, then people immediately get the message. Oh, I can slack off in this group. Screw it. <laughs> As opposed to, right? Oh, Eric is going to hold me to my word. And, and actually, accountability is like the second thing that's in Google's research, that there's a, there's a commitment to delivering excellence from each of the team members. And I think a leader is a key person who creates that standard or destroys that standard. I would agree. Well put, sir. So let's let's tag on to this. We've talked about managing remotely, and you've correctly identified the fact that a big part of this is rooted in management and psychological safety. And I would say emotional intelligence is a big part of that. But let's talk about how a manager today can run effective virtual team meetings. Well, do you want to hear one of my favorite ways not to do it? Mm, let me think. Okay. <laughs> I like that you really thought about that. One of my favorites was somebody came to me and they said, this, and this is common with lots of managers. They said, oh, no, I, this is my virtual meeting challenge right now. Everybody's multitasking. Everybody's reading email during this event. Everybody's doing, you know, like searching web browsers, but not what we're talking about. And I just came back to him and I said, man, you should cancel that meeting right now. That is not the way to run a meeting. Why keep plodding along when no one's really engaged? These are salespeople too. You know, at least salespeople have a quantifiable goal, right? They want to sell stuff. So if they think that multitasking is more valuable to them in this moment, it's most likely your content isn't strong enough. And I said, kill the meeting, redesign it and come back. Because the things that you got to do in a, in a virtual team meeting is, I have this belief. Do you believe, Eric, that like there's an invisible timer running on every virtual meeting? Oh, I, I would say in my head, there's a virtual timer and you've yeah. got precious little time to get your point across. Otherwise, I'm checking email. That's exactly right. And so and, and so everyone has a different version of this internal timer too, where, which you can't see, but it starts at the top, right? And the time ticks down like on the schedule time. And then it goes down faster if this meeting is not well run, right? Which is like, I'm out. <laughs> and if it's well run or something interesting's happened saying, okay, I'll, I'll give Eric five, 10 more minutes now. This is really interesting. I want to know what's going on. And so that invisible timer says, you got to really respect the online time, right? We all know about Zoom fatigue or video fatigue and all these other things. So you need to respect everybody's time with it. I think that's one of the first things. So that means plan, right? Plan and, and a quite often too, I have busted high level executives, Eric, who were multitasking during my meeting. And I'm happy to say now that because I'm not inside the company politics, I'll just say, let's say you're the, the VP for a second, Eric. Eric, right? Just do me a favor. Just while you're meeting with me, just do me the favor. I just want 100% of your attention. And what I'll do back for you is that I will do my best to shorten this meeting. All right? And Eric's shaking his head going, oh, yeah, that's a deal. I can make that deal any day of the week. Right? And that executive never did it again, by the way. Right? So that's kind of like that manager as, as, as creating that standard. Like these tough actions, when done correctly, resolve lots of problems into the future. 
right? So if you are having these continual problems, people talking over each other, people multitasking, like I said, it's kind of your fault. You got to find ways to counteract that and do it early so people know, don't do that during this meeting, right? So yeah, so I think those are some of the other aspects of team meeting. Okay, again, design them well, which is that pre-planning parse, execute them well and try and keep them you know, on the shorter side when possible. And then the last part is, is around the engagement. Don't be the only person to talk. If you're the only person to talk during a 60-minute meeting, you should have recorded a video, you should have sent it to your team, and let them consume it when they want to, not in an online meeting. But do the things that you can't do in a meeting, which is discuss, right? Get feedback, make a group decision. All of those things in remote meetings is involve everyone, right? If you're the only one talking, you know, select two or three other people to present, right? There, you can't, if, if Eric is usually disengaged and I tell him he owns a 10 minute section to report about his latest book, he's going to be totally engaged for 10 minutes of that meeting right? when he's on stage, or he's going to look like a jerk or an unprepared jerk or something like that. And so, so those are a lot of things that I do. When I plan an online class, Eric, I allocate about half of the time for the audience to talk. And that's really for them to be engaged. I'd rather have a conversation and sometimes learn something new from the audience than for me to pontificate for 60 minutes. So I hope some of those are some key tips about how to run team meetings as well as and, and still get the work done. So digging a little deeper into this, how specifically can you build engagement in? So what are some specific things that a manager could do right after listening to this episode that would, that would help them make a more engaging meeting? Oh, that's a great. So in my book, I do a book called Engaging Virtual Meetings. All right, great. <laughs> there's my plug. <laughs> Is that there's a six-step engage method. There's six things that you can do so that your virtual meetings are more engaging. And we have tested it on you know conferences as large as 1,200 people. And I'm pretty convinced that it works. And the E stands for engage and interact with every attendee before the end of a meeting. Therefore, as a manager, one of the things that you can do at the beginning of a meeting, assuming that let's say it's like you know 15 people or less, is just have everyone check in, right? At the beginning of a meeting, 15 people can check in in under three minutes if they're expeditious about it. And you could do something simple like, you know, on a scale, you could say, oh, share a win from the week or on a scale of one to 10, how, how present are you today? So I'd come in, hey, I'm John Chen. I'm calling in from Seattle, Washington, and I'm super excited to let you know that I developed something called hybrid in a box. Next person, right? So if you build a system for it that you can have everybody check in and therefore everyone is engaged in a short amount of time. If you had a large group, it could be chat. I do. I count my chats though. There are there have been groups, Eric, where to create that accountability. If I know there are twenty people, I won't start the meeting till I get twenty chats, right? And so there's another way to balance this engagement with accountability. And I think both of these items are really really important. Does that help? That helps a lot. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about management again, and specifically the differences between in person and virtual management. You just want to know the differences? Yeah. So from your point of view, from your background and experience, what's the difference between managing a team in person versus managing a team virtually or hybrid? About 92 minutes of commuting. (laughs) 
I used to I used to live in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and I used to commute from the Santa Cruz Mountains to to San Jose. That was a lot more than ninety two minutes of commuting. <laughs> yeah, that road. I know that road. That road is windy and crazy. So even this week, though, I had a meeting at a place that is normally seventeen minutes from my house. I left at four p.m. here in Seattle, Washington. It took me an hour and twenty minutes. And in the end, after the meeting was done, I'm like, oh my gosh, somebody who had a phone could have walked me through this meeting and saved me this whole part. And I feel like some in-person and some virtual management is like that. And what I mean by that is that you have this overhead for having the in-person world. You got to hold an office, you got to have the driving, you got to park, you got to do you know, all these other things that, that, that are there. Now, I do think there's some on the relationship side, I, and this is as a technical person, I hopefully you'll appreciate this, Eric. The second piece that is really the thing that I think you need to consider is that is what I call the theory of bandwidth. And what I mean by that is here on virtual, all right, Eric and I are trading some bandwidth, right? We are trading some audio. Actually, you can't see, but we're actually trading video. So he can at least feed off a little bit off my body language, but that doesn't get on this podcast. But those are the things that you can do. In person, you have probably what I feel like the maximum amount of bandwidth, right? Like if I'm sitting in Eric's office and I'm sitting across his desk, then we have all these new spatial factors, right? We can also like uh, maybe feel the energy better. There's the olfactory part, like if Eric smells great or he's terrible on that day, all those other things kind of add in. And so I think that's uh, smelling fact- great, by the way, John, smelling What's great, that? smelling great. By the oh, way. of course you are. Of course, Eric. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> you smell marvelous. Oh, let's see if anybody knows that reference. Okay. So I do think that the in-person gives you that piece, which is the spatial piece. And there's a little more of this, the bumping in can be feel a bit more casual, like we meet in the cafe. That's a different human context. You know, when we meet virtual, it's quite often transactional is what a lot of people feel. Although that really, I think, changed over the last three years. So, yeah, so I think those are the the elements of the difference of being in person and virtual that can really be uh that that can really be there. And then uh, you know, cuz you're getting all those other cues, right? So like in person, I don't wear a bag on my head. But on virtual, I can turn my camera off and you just have to sit around and guess what I'm thinking, Eric. <laughs> and and this, in some places that's, you know, acceptable whatever it is. So I think there's a whole collection of things for in person and virtual management. Now, they can be done really well so that, again, my company, for the most part, is virtual. And I'm actually doing work with some people who I've never met in person now. And and I can tell you that I've gotten a lot more information than I think I would have gotten, you know, potentially in the in-person part because we spend so much time together. So I think that's the other piece that goes back around. When it gets back to the relationship... In the end, it's still about the time that you spend with each other and the quality of that time that you spend with each other that becomes really, really important. Does that help? It does. Thank you. Thinking about people we haven't met, like my social media manager and I talk all the time, but she lives in Bogota. I would love to travel to Bogota one day to meet her, but I'm I'm not sure how likely it is. And the rest of my team I haven't seen in person for months or years, depending on who you're thinking of. So, you know, that that's like opening this whole new realm of virtual assistants, right? I mean, they're at a different price point and they're in different countries. They don't have to meet anybody in person, but if they do the work, right, they can really make an amazing career. And I think that's the management challenge that people 
is is will now have. Before it was different. You out used to outsource this stuff, and there were people far away. But again, things like virtual assistants. What I'm really astounded by is that things such as they focused on the English language to be able to work with people in America. I think that's mm-hmm. something that they did that made it easier for people in America. And and then now the technology is level set that people, as long as they have a decent internet connection, you literally can work anywhere in the world. And that's some of the advantages of the virtual side. Yeah, absolutely. Great points. My, uh, my bridge question to the speed round is this one. Do you have a product or service you'd like to plug? Oh, well, yeah. Thanks for asking. To celebrate the the announcement of my book, I've been running a conference every year in October, in October of every year, and it's called the Engaging Virtual Meeting Conference. And so you can go there. There's a free ticket and a paid ticket, engagingvirtualmeetings, plural, dot com slash conference. This year will be October 23rd through 25th. And this year I'm excited. One, uh, this is useful too for, for managers and other people who are planning the top days for virtual like open classes are Wednesday followed by Tuesday and then Monday. So, and it turns out Friday apparently statistically is a terrible day to hold programs. So I moved my conference to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and this year's conference is completely geared towards people who create conferences, summits, masterclasses, and series of trainings. Like for instance, if Eric has a multi-week class, then this is also geared for him because in a multi-week class, you have to create something where people will be engaged over an extended period of time, not just 60 minutes. And so we're really focusing on and selecting all of our speakers in the format of this conference this year for that format. So we hope that you come. This is our fourth annual conference, and every year it's been growing in leaps and bounds and having some of the top ideas for virtual. So thanks for the opportunity, Eric. Yeah, no worries. And and again, I would say that from my perspective, John is a fantastic presenter and producer. So if you're thinking about it, definitely check it out because it'll be good. All right. Because we're running a little long, I'm just going to ask you probably my favorite question from the lightning round. And that is, what brings you the most joy in your life? What brings me my most joy in my life? Well, this one I think is easy. It's making a difference in people's lives, right? As much as Eric and I, of course, love the the ever-flowing cash flow that we drown upon as entrepreneurs. <laughs> I, need, I need a life preserver, frankly. I am just drowning. I own the most massive amounts of cash. <laughs> Can we bring the joy... From making a difference in people's lives, like, like you know, that just saying that one thing or, or showing people one feature they didn't know about, seeing that light bulb go on on people's heads, I don't know why. That should be a drug, right? Because, you know, I think for most of us who are trainers, coaches, leaders, all right, I love that part. I love that part of watching people's lives get better based on something that we do. So that's, that, that's what brings me the most joy in my life. You know, me too. Have you been reading my notes? Because that's usually my answer. It's the, you know, watching people, the light bulbs pop over people's heads. I knew I like Great minds think alike kind of portion of that. Absolutely. Yes. Well, John Chen, thank you so much. I really enjoyed chatting with you. How can people find you? You can find me at John, J-O-H-N, at engagingvirtualmeetings.com. And we'd love to meet with you. You can go to engagingvirtualmeetings.com slash meet. If you have a question about virtual I didn't get to answer on this podcast, I'd love the opportunity to meet you and people in Eric's audience and help you out so I get that hit of joy 
seeing the light bulb go on over your head. Well, thanks for listening. Please subscribe, comment, share, and connect with me on LinkedIn, Eric Gerard on LinkedIn. We'll catch you in the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? Get a ton of insider tips and tools at gerardtrainingsolutions.com. Solutions.com.